Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. Today is Thursday, April 27th of 2023, and we are talking about the 666 Antichrist Prophecy, Chapter 13 of the Book of Revelation. I invite you to listen live at 9 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays to our program here on PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. Again, this is... Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. In April of 2023, analysis and discussion of the 666 Antichrist prophecy with me, your Book of Revelation research scientist, are happening live on PGN on Sundays at 12 noon Central Time and on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Central Time. Please share your perspective or pose a question about the book of Revelation during the live broadcast. You can do that by going to You can do that two ways. You can either text in your comment or your question or your prayer request. Our PGN text number is 1214-505-8719. You can also listen uh, share your perspective or pose a question uh, by telephone. Our PGN phone number is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. So we're still on the old number. If you are listening to other programs on PGN, if you're listening to uh, Prophet Randy's program, that's on the new phone number. If you're listening to Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish, remember to use our old PGN phone number one. Three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. Okay, so let's get into it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the mark of the beast. We're talking about the actions of the false prophet. We're talking about the Antichrist. We're talking about the wrath of Satan, also known as the Great Tribulation. In chapter 13, we have one of 12 statements of prophecy. A statement of prophecy is a vision written in words. So imagine if you were watching a documentary, and then the Lord Jesus gave you the instruction to write down everything that you saw. Well, that is exactly what happened to John the Revelator. He had two experiences. The first of his experiences connected to the book of Revelation is described in chapters 1, beginning with verse 9, all the way to the end of chapter 3. Then he had a second experience 
And the beginning of his report on that experience is verse 1 of chapter 4. Let me share that with you. Here we're going to hear how John the Revelator was literally called up to heaven and went to heaven. Let's hear it. Revelation chapter 4, reading from the New Living Translation, it says, Then, so John starts with then picking up from where his first experience connected to the book of Revelation ended. Now he picks up going straight into his second experience. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. Now, the voice that spoke to him before, we learn in chapter 1, is the voice of Jesus Christ. And Jesus goes on to share lots of things with him. They're recorded, uh, for the most part, all of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3, 100% the words of Jesus Christ. Some of what Jesus said to him is also in uh the second half of chapter 1. Then chapter 4, verse 1 continues. The voice said, talking about the voice of Jesus Christ, the voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. So Jesus Christ instructs John the Revelator to come up, to heaven, which is a physical location, in the same way that there are individuals, human beings, who live in heaven, there are individuals, human beings that live on earth, and there are individuals, human beings that live under the earth in a location known as Hades. So, of course, when we're on the earth, we're three in one, body, spirit, and soul. So you have a body, a physical, tangible body, that we can see and touch, uh, yet you also have a soul, your mind, will, and emotions. And the Lord's given you a spirit. So you are three in one. I am three in one. When a person dies in Christ, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who died in Christ. The individual is two in one disembodied, a disembodied spirit who also has a soul. So there's perfect continuity of life when one dies with the person either residing in heaven or residing in Hades. So John the Revelator is called up to this specific location known as heaven. And then the rest of chapter 4 is John telling us what he saw specifically when he arrived in heaven. So that's all of chapter 4. Now, we're about to focus on the 666 Antichrist prophecy, but what is it? What is it? Again, it's a documentary in words. It's a vision which reflects realities reported in words. So you and I, we might have uh, a dream. A dream can be inspired by God, or the Bible says sometimes we have dreams that we've caused ourselves to have. But often 
we have dreams given to us by God. We see that over and over again in the Bible. God gave Joseph a dream. God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream. God gave uh, the father of Jesus Christ a dream. God gave the wife of Herod a dream. So dreams can be inspired by God or inspired by oneself. But the vision that John the Revelator had was not inspired by himself. So it's not a nighttime dream or waking dream that he caused himself to have. It is a vision created by an omniscient God reflecting realities in your future and my future. And then God told Jesus Christ to move forward with the revelation, and Jesus Christ commanded an angel, instructed an angel in chapter 1 to show John some things. And when he's called up to heaven, the same angel continues. The angel uh, referenced in uh, chapter 1 and also in chapters 2 and 3. Let's hear, beginning with verse 5 is when John is shown a series of visions but again, not visions that he caused himself to have, but visions which were moving pictures. So today we would call something that we are something external to us that we are actually watching. We do that all the time today, television, movies. And when we're watching a movie which includes moving pictures, we describe it if it reflects realities we call that a specific kind of movie a documentary so in that way it makes sense for you and i to think about the prophecies in the book of revelation in chapter 12 in the amplified classic translation they refer to as statements of prophecy it makes sense to think of these visions as documentaries. And John the Revelator was literally shown a series of documentaries which are statements of prophecy. So when we talk about statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation, when we talk about uh, the visions of John in the book of Revelation, we're talking about the same thing. So each statement of prophecy is a documentary, if you will. So in that way, we're going to talk about the documentary John the Revelator was shown, the 666 documentary, 666 Antichrist prophecy documentary, chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. And let's hear it. It begins with verse 1. Then I saw a beast. Rising up out of the sea, it had seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world 
marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. Let's pause there. That is the beginning of the 666 Antichrist prophecy. That's the abstract, the movie trailer in words, which is followed by a full report. So when I went recently to see Cree 3, I went to see that movie in its entirety after I had seen the movie trailer on television. When I went to see the movie, and as I was watching the movie, I saw scenes in the movie that also appeared in the movie trailer. However, I wasn't confused because I understand that a movie trailer has as its purpose summarizing the key conflicts, key players, and key events in a longer movie. In the same way, in the book of Revelation and in other professional writing, for example, peer-reviewed journal articles, we have that same format used. We have a movie trailer in words, which we call an abstract, and it's followed by a full report. So what did we hear in this movie trailer for the 666 Antichrist prophecy? We heard about the first beast. The first beast is him. And him is the Antichrist. And we heard that the Antichrist is going to have the ability to do whatever he wants during the Great Tribulation, which will last specifically 42 months. So in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, I think I mean to say Daniel, chapter 9, in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel, the wrath of Satan, which is the great tribulation, is specifically referred to as a period of time that is finite. That means that the Antichrist will not be empowered to do whatever he wants forever and ever. That power, that scope of authority is limited to 42 months, which is three and a half years, which is 1,260 days. So if you want to look, that, look at that elsewhere, Revelation chapter 12 refers to... Uh, that also in uh, Revelation chapter 11, so in the 1,260 days prophecy, in the seven trumpets prophecy, and in Daniel, talking about Daniel's final set of seven, talking about the seven-year period, and then describing uh, within that period the Great Tribulation, which is three and a half years only within that period. Okay. So about this 666 Antichrist prophecy, it says 
the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. So the Antichrist is referred to as the Antichrist because he blasphemes God. When is he going to do that? He's going to do that during the Great Tribulation. He's empowered by the dragon. The dragon is not China. Sometimes I hear people saying, oh, the dragon is China. The bear is Russia. The leopard's Germany. So that's partially correct. In chapter 13 of the book of Revelation, we are given the symbols that represent nations that will exist during the Great Tribulation. And indeed, Russia is the symbol. I mean to say the bear is the symbol for Russia. The leopard is the symbol for Germany. And the lion is the symbol for Great Britain. However, we know that the dragon, which is the symbol for China, we know that the dragon refers to Satan in the book of Revelation because the dragon is defined as representing Satan in Revelation chapter 20 as well as in Revelation chapter 12. So in the millennial reign prophecy in chapter 20, at the beginning of chapter 20, it refers to that primeval certain that primeval serpent known as Satan who is the dragon. And in Revelation chapter 12, uh, the dragon is also defined as Satan. So we're told in the movie trailer for the 666 Antichrist prophecy that it's Satan who gives the Antichrist his power. However, even though the Bible tells us that Satan is the power behind the Antichrist, it says, quote, the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. What miracle? The Antichrist, it appears. Now, we're going to hear about two key beasts in this prophecy, but it appears that it's saying the Antichrist will have a wound that would normally be fatal. It says in verse 3 of chapter 13, the fatal wound was healed. And when this happens, instead of people saying, wow, in the Bible, the prophecy was given that showed that the Antichrist would have a fatal wound but be supernaturally healed through the power of Satan, people will say, oh, this must be God. This has to be God, even though we're told in advance that it's the power of Satan. What else do we learn in this movie trailer? The New World Order, the New World Order will utilize both a ten-nation alliance as well as a one-world religion during the Great Tribulation, the wrath of Satan. The one-world government is described in Revelation chapter 13 as well as Daniel chapter 7. So where do we see this? In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 13. It says, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. This is the same beast that's described in the purple and scarlet prophecy 
Revelation chapter 17 and 18, as well as the first five verses of chapter 19. So the purple and scarlet prophecy is the statement of prophecy that focuses on the judgment of the harlot church, which will be the church that promotes the one world religion during the three and a half year great tribulation period. So here, and also in the purple and scarlet prophecy, and also in Daniel chapter 7, we hear that the beast, which is the one world government, will have ten crowns on its horns. So there will be ten nations. Each nation will have its own leader. So that leader might have the title of president or perhaps prime minister, or your majesty, or some other title. Ultimately, we're told in Daniel chapter 7, three of the leaders will be put down by the Antichrist who will ascend to power. So this ten-nation alliance is going to exist before the Great Tribulation, and we'll see the Antichrist put down three of the leaders to replace them and they will ultimately become seven. So the beast is the ten nation alliance and it has as its mouthpiece the antichrist. So it says in verse one, then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And then later, we're told, I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery. That will be the head known as the Antichrist. Later we're told, people will say, who is as great as the beast? Who was able to fight against him when they see that this beast has a fatal wound that supernaturally healed? Finally, not only will the Antichrist have a wound that's supernaturally healed, and not only will people give allegiance to the beast, marveling at how it's healed, but people, uh, but this beast will speak great blasphemies against God. Now let's continue. That's the movie trailer in words, verses 1 to 5 of chapter 13. Now we're going to hear... Details, more details about what happens in the Great Tribulation. Beginning with verse 6 and going all the way to the end of chapter 13. So verses 6 to uh, six all the way through 18, those verses have the full report of the 666 Antichrist prophecy. We're moving beyond the movie trailer to the entire documentary, if you will, the, in, the full report with the 666 Antichrist prophecy. We are going to hear some of what we already heard because now we're in the full report, but beyond that, we'll hear more details. Okay, so beginning with verse 6, it says, And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. 
And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. So it starts off with telling us and showing us the Antichrist is blaspheming God. And he's slandering the name of God. He's slandering heaven, specifically all who dwell. It doesn't say all. It says those who dwell in heaven. So who all dwells in heaven? Well, we know from the book of Revelation that God the Father is in heaven. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God, dwells in heaven. We know that the 24 elders dwell in heaven. And we know that there are four creatures who dwell in heaven that have wings and eyes in many places. And we know that all who died in Christ dwell in heaven. And we know that there are angels of God who dwell in heaven. We know that from Revelation chapter 12 where we hear about the war in heaven led by the archangel Michael. So the Antichrist is going to slander those who dwell in heaven. What does it mean to slander? Let's get a definition. So when we see these things happen, we won't be surprised because God told us in advance. So to slander, according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, is, it says slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. The action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation is slander. And then to slander, in other words, uh, to engage in that activity, uh, as a verb, to slander is to make false and damaging statements about someone. So, the Antichrist is going to make damaging and false statements about heaven, about God, and the people who dwell in heaven. Continuing. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. So in verse 7, we see two key things. During the Great Tribulation, the wrath of Satan, which is followed by the wrath of God. During the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will wage war against those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who give testimony on behalf of Jesus Christ. And it says that he will be permitted to conquer them, not only to wage war, but allowed to conquer them. How is he allowed to do this? Well, we're told... The Antichrist will be endowed with authority, and that authority will be wide in scope. That authority will give the Antichrist the ability to rule legally over every tribe and people and language and nation. And so what this means is that although the one world government will be comprised of ten nations, the scope of the authority of the Antichrist as its mouthpiece will extend beyond those ten nations. So there will be some organization or organizations for which all the nations of the earth 
have given permission for the Antichrist to usurp their sovereignty and to exercise authority over their nations. And you might say, this sounds crazy. I can't imagine any circumstance where 100% of the nations of the world would give a single human being, a mere man, authority over them. Well, consider this. In 2020, the coronavirus emerged as a threat to every nation. And subsequent to the pandemic, the World Health Organization became a focus, a focus, and it already had many powers, but the power of the World Health Organization, the experts who uh, study international relations and politics and government, they tell us that the power of the World Health Organization has increased as a result of the pandemic. When you look at the United Nations, it has increased in power and scope with respect to its authority since it emerged in the first half of the 20th century. So what does that mean for the Great Tribulation? There will be some world power some international organization, it might be the World Health Organization, it might be the United Nations. I don't see in the Bible where specifically we're told what organization or organizations will give that authority to the Antichrist, but in fact, we are told that he will be given this authority, it will be legal and legitimate and it will extend beyond the ten-nation alliance to include whatever nation you live in. Now think about this. Sometimes leaders have authority, but the wishes, the hopes, the edicts of the leader aren't carried out to the extent that the leader wishes or desires or to the extent that the leader uh, has communicated that that should happen. So we see elsewhere in the Bible, beyond this 666 Antichrist prophecy, that the Antichrist will not have uh, his aims achieved in every nation. For example, in Revelation 19, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and their armies are invading Jerusalem, well, Why are they invading Jerusalem? Because they don't have power there. And we're told also in the Bible that the Antichrist won't be able to uh, rule in Jordan. So uh, let's be clear about this. The Antichrist will be endowed with authority to rule over every nation, tribe, people, and language. But that the extent to which that authority is exercised in terms of the day-to-day experience of a human being is going to depend on the nation that an individual actually lives in. Let's keep going. Verse 8 of chapter 13 says, And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life. 
let me say that again. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Let's pause there. Truth seeker and friend. If you are a person who's familiar with the Bible, you know that the lamb refers to Jesus Christ. If you are a truth seeker, but not yet a Christian or not well-versed in the Bible, that might be new information. So I want to point out that Jesus Christ is referred to as the Lamb of God on account of how he was sacrificed on behalf of human beings at the time of his first dwelling on this present earth. So at time number one, when God gave himself a human form and was born from conception between the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit. So he has this human form, and then he died on the cross. So he was sacrificed, and so he's referred to as the Lamb of God. He was meek. He had all power, but he exercised his power in a very specific way. He allowed them to kill him despite the fact that it was illegal. And as a result of him dying on the cross, having no sin, he was able to obtain, we're told in Revelation chapter 1, that he has the keys to both death and the grave, let me read that verse to you. So we're talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. He's noted as the Lamb in Revelation chapter 13. I want to pull that up for us. Give me one moment. Let's see where it talks about what Jesus has. So in the preface for the book of Revelation, it says, Let me pull that up for us. Thank you for your patience. I'm looking for that verse. Okay, I'm not finding it right this second. Let's continue. I'll try to get that before we end today. So Jesus is the Lamb of God. And we're told here in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, verse 8, all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. A key to understanding and unlocking secrets in the book of Revelation is this phrase. belong to this world, all the people who belong to this world. So when we look at this prophecy and other prophecies, when it says all the people who belong to this world, it's referring to those individuals whose names are not written in the book of life. So this verse, verse 8 of chapter 13, is a key because when we look at the seven trumpets prophecy, when we look at other prophecies in the book of Revelation, we see plagues that come upon people. 
We see uh, terror that comes upon people. And when it says it comes upon all the people who belong to this world, that excludes the people who do not belong to this world. So how do we know who belongs to this world and who doesn't? Individuals whose names are written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb, in other words, the Lamb's book of life, are Christians. Christians belong to the world to come. Christians belong to the kingdom of God. People who belong to this world belong to the kingdom of Satan. They belong to, quote, this world. Their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They, during the 42-month Great Tribulation, will worship the beast, they meaning all the people who belong to this world, and all the people who do not belong to this world will not worship the beast, will not worship the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. So verse 9 says, anyone with ears to hear should listen. And understand, anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. So verses 9 to 10 of the 666 Antichrist prophecy have an instruction. That instruction is for Christians. That instruction is for those who do not belong to this world. That instruction is for truth seekers whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that instruction is to endure, to be faithful, to endure patiently during the Great Tribulation. Now, why are we instructed to endure patiently? It will be hard to see men and women of God losing their lives during the Great Tribulation. Now, not everyone is going to uh, lose his or her life. Not all believers. I don't even think it will be most believers. But some believers, for sure, will be martyred. In other words, they will join 11 of the 12 apostles who were killed on account of their witnessing for Jesus Christ, giving their testimony about Jesus Christ and the word of God. Now, why would God instruct us to be faithful and to endure patiently? I think there are many reasons. One reason might be this. Some people will be tempted to create their own armies, to create some organization to fight against the one, uh, one world government, the Ten Nation Alliance led by the Antichrist, to take down those individuals, including the Antichrist and the false prophet, who are coming against the Lord our God. But that's not what we're supposed to do during the 42-month period. We're told elsewhere in the Bible 
that those who are wise during the great tribulation will, quote, instruct many. So what are we supposed to be doing during the great tribulation, during this 42 months where the Antichrist is uh, has legitimate power and he's doing whatever he wants? We're to instruct many, instruct them about what? The word of God, the prophecies here in the book of Revelation, the prophecies in Zechariah, the prophecies in the book of Daniel, and they all align. They're all about what happens during this great tribulation period. Now, in the millennial reign prophecy about those individuals who are martyred, it says in verse 4 of chapter 20, I saw the souls of those who had been slain with axes beheaded for their witnessing to Jesus and for preaching and testifying for the word of God and who had refused to pay homage to the beast or his statue and had not accepted his mark or permitted it to be stamped on their foreheads or on their hands. So John the Revelator is shown another documentary about the events leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the events after, and all of the people who refuse the mark of the beast. Now, when, the mark, when is the mark of the beast going to be instituted? During the Great Tribulation. So it's no way possible that Christians could die from refusing to take the mark of the beast unless they are here when the mark of the beast is administered, when it is available. So if you want proof that the pre-tribulation rapture is false, go to Revelation 20, verse 4. There are other verses too, but in my opinion, this is so clear. Any person who's really interested in the truth – when that individual sees Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, that will make it clear that there is no pre-tribulation rapture. And then John the Revelator says at the end of verse 4 of chapter 20, and they lived again and ruled with Christ the Messiah a thousand years. So take home point, there will be people, as we are enduring patiently, as we are being faithful, there will be people who will not only be persecuted, but who will be slain with axes, specifically beheaded for their witnessing to Jesus and for preaching and testifying for the word of God and for refusing to, quote, pay homage to the beast or his statue and, quote, not accepting his mark or permitting it to be stamped on their foreheads or on their hands. Now, think about this. Where in the world typically are people beheaded? So in the United States of America, in Canada, in Great Britain, when a person commits a crime, uh, in, in many nations, typically that crime is punished. And if the person is to uh, die as a result, in other words, the penalty, if the penalty for the crime is death, is it's not beheading in these nations. For example, in America, the United States of America, where uh, it's legal to kill someone, normally that uh, happens if a prisoner is uh, 
has a judgment of, of death, is suffering the death penalty, that prisoner gets a, a lethal injection. We say that that's humane. I don't know that it is. The Bible says thou shalt not kill with no, uh, no qualifications there. But uh, let's continue. Let's continue. Uh, so we're told in the Amplified Classic Translation that those who died during the Great Tribulation will be beheaded. That suggests that those are Islamic nations. And the reason is, in many, if not all of those nations, when a person is uh, given the penalty of death due to committing some crime, they don't give the person uh, a lethal injection. Often the individuals are beheaded. So, okay, we're not told specifically uh, that it will only happen in Islamic nations or this nation or that nation, but that's something that's interesting to consider. Let's continue. Now we get to the part of the 666 Antichrist prophecy where we're going to learn about a second beast. So in the movie trailer in words, verses 1 to 5 of chapter 13, we hear about the 10-nation alliance, the one-world government, which is a beast, and by its mouthpiece, the Antichrist, is then also referred to as a beast. So they are essentially one because the Antichrist is the leader of the one nation, uh, excuse me, of the ten nation alliance. Now, during the Great Tribulation, there are two beasts. Now, this isn't my opinion. This is right here in the Bible. We're going to hear about it now. Verses 11 to 18, at least 11 to 17, and lately I'm thinking it also includes 18, but certainly verses 11 to 17 are talking about the second beast. You'll hear in a moment, this second beast is the false prophet. The false prophet is the leader of the harlot church, the leader of the one world religion, the false Christianity that's going to be preached and promoted by the one world government, by the Antichrist during the 42-month Great Tribulation period. Let's hear about six specific actions that Antichrist, uh, the Antichrist running partner, six specific actions that the false prophet will engage in during the Great Tribulation. We're also going to hear about the mark of the beast. Let's get to these six actions that the false prophet will engage in during this 42-month period. Verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. What does that mean? The false prophet will appear as a lamb. Who's the lamb? The Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. The Lamb of Satan is the false prophet. We know that because it says he spoke, talking about the other beast, the second beast. 
He spoke with the voice of a dragon. So he's speaking with the voice of Satan. Remember, the dragon is identified as Satan in Revelation chapter 20 as well as Revelation chapter 12. Continuing, talking about the false prophet, the other beast, it says, he, in other words, the false prophet, exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So the false prophet, the leader of the harlot church, is going to have authority. He will have the same wide-ranging authority, the same scope of authority. He will exercise it as the first beast. So in other words, both the false prophet and the Antichrist are beasts. Both the false prophet and the Antichrist have authority over all peoples, nations. Uh, it, it, now, it doesn't say that the false prophet was given the authority, but it says he exercises all the authority. And further, it says that the false prophet will require all the earth and its people to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. So that's the Antichrist. The false prophet will agree with the assertion of the Antichrist. In the book of Daniel, we're told that the Antichrist is going to stand in the middle of the temple. Now, right now, we're waiting for the third temple the temple where the Jewish people will worship God. We're waiting for that temple to be rebuilt. Israel supernaturally came together as a nation in 1948. It had not been a nation with its own land since 70 A.D. So all those years passed. The second temple had been destroyed. Now it's a 100 years A.D., 200 years, 300, 500, 1,000, 1,600 A.D. Now we're in the age of the United States of America, 1,700s, 1,800s, 1,900s, year 2000. 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, let's fast forward to today. It's 2023. We are still waiting for Israel's third temple to be rebuilt. It was destroyed by the Roman armies in 70 A.D. And the Bible tells us that there will be a third temple. It's referred to in the seven trumpets prophecy in Revelation chapter 11. This temple is very important. The tenth red heifer has been found. That happened in 2022. The plans have been drawn up. Those who will carry out the daily and annual sacrifices have been trained. So now we are awaiting the confirmation of the covenant described in the book of Daniel. That is the beginning, the confirmation of the covenant. That's the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. In this seven-year period, 
is the Great Tribulation. So the Great Tribulation is not seven years, but it happens within the seven-year period that culminates with the second coming of Jesus Christ and him fighting and winning the Battle of Armageddon. He fights it on behalf of Israel, and of course, he is the winner. Jesus Christ is the winner of the Battle of Armageddon. It's not the Antichrist. It's Jesus Christ. So we're told here in the 666 Antichrist prophecy that the false prophet, the second beast, is going to require all the earth and its people to worship the first beast. And we're going to hear in a moment that part of worshiping the Antichrist will be to bow down to a statue of the Antichrist and that the penalty for failing to, uh, I'm saying bow down, but to worship the statue, the failure to worship the statue, that's what I mean to say. It doesn't say specifically bow down, but we're going to hear it in a moment. The failure to worship the statue of the Antichrist is death. So, Let's continue. Verse 13 of chapter 13 says, he did astounding miracles. That means that the false prophet is going to perform miracles. Not just any kind of miracle, but astounding miracles. Now, if you have, uh, if you're deaf in one ear and your your, uh, deafness is healed, that's a powerful miracle. If you have a cold, and you're in pain because you're coughing and your back hurts because you have a really bad cold and you're healed supernaturally, for me, that's a powerful miracle. But this doesn't say that the false prophet is going to perform powerful miracles. It says astounding miracles. In other words, these will be miracles for which it is impossible to deny that these are miracles. These are miracles that will establish for anyone who sees the miracle that this is supernatural and indeed a miracle. Sometimes people have a miracle. For example, I was supernaturally healed in 2010 in an emergency room, supernaturally healed. I was the only person in the emergency room when the healing happened. My pain went from a 10 to a zero. I left that emergency room. It was incredible. I have the documentation if anybody's curious about that. Um, so for me, that was a powerful miracle, but it's not astounding. No one, uh, no one else saw it. There's the evidence. People saw the before and the after, but I was the only person in the room when I was supernaturally healed. But let's hear about one of the astounding miracles that will be uh, performed by the false prophet. It says, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. So one of the six specific actions described in the 666 Antichrist prophecy of the false prophet is that he will make fire flash down from the sky to the earth while everyone was watching. So this will no doubt be recorded. All of the news stations of the day, the Internet, if we're still using the Internet, everyone will somehow get to see this. Now, notice that this is a counterfeit miracle when when the mortals who live on the earth during the millennial reign when they're deceived by satan 
and approach Jerusalem yet again, fire is going to flash down from the sky to consume them. The Battle of Armageddon is the final war. It's the war that will end all wars. There will never, ever be another war on this present earth after the Battle of Armageddon. But Satan, when he's released from the bottomless pit, which he will go in at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, when Satan is released from the bottomless pit that he'll be in for a thousand years, he's going to persuade uh, millions of people, those who are mortals, there will be mortals and immortals on the earth during the millennial reign. He will persuade them that he's going to take over Jerusalem and the world. We know from the Bible that once the battle of Armageddon is fought and won, it says in Isaiah chapter 9, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. Once the government of Jesus Christ is established on this earth, it will never, ever end. So, you know, nations come and go. Rome was once a great nation, but that government, it came and went. It came and now it's gone, right? Greece was once a great nation, but that government, the government of Greece, it came and went. It's gone. You know, we could keep going down uh, the line like that. But the government of Jesus Christ, which will commence once he has won the Battle of Armageddon, described in Revelation chapter 19, the end, Revelation chapter 19, we see the defeat of the Antichrist and the false prophet. The government of Jesus Christ begins, and that's described in Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 1, is the beginning of the millennial reign prophecy uh, in the Bible. So here we are in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. He's going to perform miracles. Who's he? The other beast, the second beast, the false prophet. Then it says in verse 14, and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast. So why is the false prophet, why does he exercise the same authority as the Antichrist? It's because he's performing miracles. He's acting on behalf, it says, of the first beast. So the role of the false prophet is to pump up, to amplify the Antichrist. So the Antichrist will declare that he is God, and then the man who is the leader of the harlot church, that man, the harlot church described in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, first five verses of 19, that man will be viewed by the world as a man of peace, a man of God. But in fact, we're told that he's a man of Satan. So the person that all the people who belong to this world, the person that they think is the most godly person on the earth, he's going to say, the Antichrist is God, and so people will be deceived, looking to him for instruction and direction, believing that he is a godly person when, in fact, he's an agent of Satan. He's inspired by Satan. He's yielded his life to Satan, the dragon. 
So it says in verse 14, and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. So there's that phrase again, all the people who belong to this world. So not everyone on the earth will be deceived by the astounding miracles of the false prophet who is the second beast. It's only those individuals whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, every person who has found and followed God's plan for salvation will not be deceived. So that's interesting to consider. At that point, there's no option C, either a person believes in Jesus Christ and is saved, or a person believes in the Antichrist, an agent of Satan, and is doomed. Doomed to what? Eternal damnation. Life in the lake of fire after the great white throne judgment. Let's continue. Verse 15 says, He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. So here's another of the six actions of the false prophet that will happen during the 42 months. The false prophet, oh, let me back up. I skipped one verse. I apologize. Let's get this. It says, and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. Okay, we talked about that. Then it says, he ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. So the false prophet, this is one of his six actions, is going to commission a statue of the Antichrist. That's important to know. Remember, there uh, in the Old Testament, there's another leader who commissioned a big statue of him. That's very interesting to see that parallel there. Verse 15 then says, he was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. And here's the key part. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. So when this statue of the Antichrist is created, it's actually going to somehow speak. So there will be either technology or through the supernatural power of Satan, perhaps there's a combination, the statue will actually speak. And here's the part about worship. So how do the people of this world worship the Antichrist? They're going to worship the Antichrist by responding to the statue when it commands them in the way that they are instructed to. Now, I've thought some... Uh, over and over again, well, what's that going to look like? Do you recall, do you recall when watching videos of that horrible period of the Holocaust when Hitler would drive by uh, or when he was in a car and they had these massive parades and uh, the car would go by where he was standing on the vehicle, kind of like how the Pope goes by in his, uh, in his Pope mobile and Uh, people are super excited and they wave, but when Hitler did it, there was a salute. There was a specific way that people gesticulated, that they moved their body 
And so there's a specific way that people will be instructed to respond to the statue saying uh, or indicating somehow that it's time to worship the Antichrist. So the statue will be a representation of the Antichrist. He will not be able to be uh, everywhere all at once, but this statue apparently that will be commissioned when people see it it doesn't tell us where the statue is going to be so could it be in multiple places if if the statue was something that could be beamed somewhere i remember seeing uh, then it could perhaps be in multiple places at the same time uh after michael jackson passed away uh i remember seeing i remember seeing a video where they had created a way to have his image beamed on the stage so it looked like he was performing. And I, I watched that thing. I think it was in Las Vegas. I'm not sure about that. But some they had created a show, and as part of the show, they beamed this image of Michael Jackson dancing and singing as if he was there. Now, you know, if, if you didn't understand that this was technology doing this, maybe maybe you might be deceived into thinking it was alive, but it looked like he was alive, but it was uh, something that really didn't have life in it. So in that way, it was a statue, something that appears lifelike, but in fact is lifeless. So when we talk about the statue that the false prophet commissions, this is something that will appear Life light, right? He will give life to it, but in fact, it's lifeless. There's no life in it. Nonetheless, everyone will be commanded to worship this statue, and the failure to worship this statue of the Antichrist is death. And we're told earlier in this 666 Antichrist prophecy that Christians not only would have wage, uh, war waged against them and us, we are them, truth seekers, believers in Jesus Christ, Christians, but some of us will be conquered, but we're told to endure patiently. Okay, let's continue. What else does the false prophet do? Verse 16 says, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. So who is this? The false prophet who is telling people, yes, the Antichrist says that he is God, and in fact he is, and we should worship him. And how you can worship him is to worship this statue of him. So it seems likely that somehow that statue is going to be uh, many places, if not everywhere at once, appearing lifeless, life-like, but in fact being lifeless. So the false prophet is going to be the person who promotes the mark. What's the mark? The mark of the beast. Now, it used to be that I always believed that the mark of the beast was a, a, a mark from the Antichrist, but lately... Lately, when I look at this, I wonder if it's the mark of the false prophet. Let's continue and hear the details. He required everyone, 
where in Revelation 13, verse 16, he required everyone who's he, the other beast, the false prophet, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. So we're talking about the false prophet, and it says the name of the beast. So it doesn't say his name. So then that suggests it's talking about the Antichrist. But it is in the section where we're talking about the false prophet. Let's keep going. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So the mark of the beast, now remember there are two beasts, right? There's the Antichrist, who people will worship, and then there's the false prophet, who will instruct people to worship the statue of the Antichrist and who will require everyone to get the mark of the beast. Now, the mark of the beast is a counterfeit. The false prophet is a fraud. The false prophet is the leader of the harlot church. The false prophet speaks the words of the dragon who is Satan. God says, I will put my name on the forehead of my people in Revelation chapter 22 and in Revelation chapter 3. So in the seven letters to seven churches, Jesus tells us that. And in the new earth prophecy, in Revelation chapter 22, John the Revelator sees in the visions and tells us that the mark of God will go on the forehead of every person on the new earth. We see that in Revelation chapter 22. Now, only those people who are team Jesus, only those people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will make it onto the new earth. So what's the ultimate dwelling place of a human? It's not heaven and it's not Hades. Heaven is a temporary storage tank. Randy Chandler referred to it that way. Randy Alcorn, the prolific writer who writes about heaven, refers to this present heaven as a layover. Why are they using those metaphors? Great metaphors. I love those metaphors. They capture the reality that every believer who is residing in heaven is there temporarily. Heaven is going to be empty. When Jesus Christ returns, as noted in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's bringing with him, with the trumpet, the sounding of a trumpet, he's bringing back with him all those believers whose bodies are in the grave. Those believers exist. They have perfect continuity of life. They never lost their memory. Their memory is better than ever. They have their personality intact. They have their thinking intact. They have their spirits intact. So the soul and the spirit continue to exist in either heaven or Hades when a person dies and Jesus Christ is bringing back with him those believers. And every believer 
will take the mark of God on his or her forehead. And so Satan says, your children are taking your mark on the forehead. I want my children to take my mark on their foreheads. So if you are a child of Satan, then you take his mark on your forehead or on your right hand. If you are not a child of Satan, you are a child of God. If you are not a child of God, you are a child of Satan. Notice there, there's no option C. So some people say, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. You know, I just, I don't feel comfortable with all this. They say something like that. Friend and truth seeker, don't be deceived. If you are not a child of Jesus, that means you are a child of Satan. There's coming a day and a time and an hour where everyone says right here in verse 16 that the false prophet, the leader of the one world religion, the harlot church, described in Revelation 17, 18 and verse Verses 1 to 5 of 19, the false prophet will require everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. So whether you are excited about Satan or not, you might be excited about the ability to buy and sell. You might say, well, I need to conduct transactions fine. Go ahead and put the name of the beast on my forehead or Put that uh, that number 666 on my right hand, whatever, as long as I can buy and sell. No, no, it's not whatever. It's not as long as I can buy and sell. What is going to happen to you and to me ultimately? Ultimately, there will never, ever be a day or an hour where you fail to exist. You are a creation of God, and you will always exist. You will always, always, always exist. And so the responsibility and the right of every human being is to decide whether the individual wants to be a child of God or a child of Satan. All of God's children will reside on the present earth after the battle of Armageddon and on the new earth to come. All of the children of Satan will reside after they experience the first death. They will reside in in Hades. So Hades is the opposite of heaven. Heaven is a physical location somewhere above the earth. Hades is a physical location somewhere under the earth. Hades has prisons of darkness. And disembodied spirits who die. Disembodied spirits continue to exist. They did not find, or if they found, they failed to follow God's plan for salvation. And so they await the event noted in the dead judge prophecy. They await the great white throne judgment. Now you might say, well, I don't believe all that. Well, it used to be that people would say, I don't believe that the world is round. It's surely flat. It used to be that people would say that. But today, we know for a fact that this earth is round. 
And so there's coming a day where everyone will know for a fact that every person whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life resides in Hades awaiting resurrection. Resurrection for what? Resurrection for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment. Now let's hear it. The dead judge prophecy says, Verses 11 to 15, John the Revelator, after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, what's going to happen? So the millennial reign ends with Satan joining the false prophet and antichrist in the lake of fire. Now it's time, now it's time for every person who failed to get his or her name written in the Lamb's Book of Life It's time for those individuals to leave Hades. And they are resurrected. Now think about this. I haven't talked about this uh, this way before, but I uh, I feel led to describe this. Did you know that there's the resurrection to eternal life. That happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's also the resurrection to eternal damnation. So when believers who have died in Christ return with Jesus, they're returning as spirits, and souls, two in one, and that individual puts on his or her reconstituted body, his or her perfected, glorified body. So you're in your body, and your body, it's decaying. It's under the curse. Instead of it becoming bigger, better, and stronger, like the $6 million man, um, some something else is maybe happening. In other words, we're all under the curse. Even Lazarus, who was brought back from the dead by Jesus Christ, ultimately died. You know, God himself healed Lazarus, but he ultimately died. Why? In this age, we're under the kingdom of Satan. So everyone is under the curse. Those who go to Hades, when it comes time for the great white throne judgment, they leave their soul, which has been residing in Hades, but also their body. Their body comes back. So whether their body is in the sea, in other words, you say, well, you know, somebody died 2,000 years ago, uh, research scientists, what do you mean their body comes back? Their body doesn't exist anymore. Yes, it does. The scientists tell us that uh, matter that has been created never ceases to exist. It may be in a different form, but it never ceases to exist. So those molecules, the DNA of a human being, whether the person died last week, five minutes ago, or five Hundred years ago, it's it's somewhere, and God knows where it is. And that grave that holds the person's body—maybe it's the sea, 
It's going to have to give the person up. Let's hear about all this. Let's hear the dead judged prophecy and how that's going to work for those disembodied spirits who are going to be resurrected for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment. It says, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. So this is a description of what's going to happen after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. And the books were opened, including the book of life. Let's pause there. So remember, in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, it says, everyone who belongs to this world does not have his or her name in the book of life. Okay, so it says, and the books were opened, including the book of life. So the book of life is important. There's nothing more important than making sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you're going to find out why in this prophecy. Continuing. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So each person who is in Hades, a temporary storage tank, for those who are team Satan, those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who are choosing to pay their own sin debt, they are going to be judged. So there's the book of life, and then there's the book that has in it everything that someone has done in life. Now, where are all these people coming from? Here it is. It says, the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. In other words, the soul and the spirit have perfect continuity of life for every person who participates in the great white throne judgment. Their bodies are either in the grave on the earth or in the sea, but their bodies are reconstituted for the purpose of them being resurrected so that they can be judged at the great white throne judgment. So in the same way that uh, the grave and the death and sea will have to give up believers at the time of the resurrection, at the time of the great white throne judgment, people are coming back. But it's resurrection, instead of resurrection for eternal life, it's resurrection for eternal damnation. Now let's hear what happens after they're resurrected. And all were judged according to their deeds. So they're going to be judged. That's the purpose of the great white throne judgment. So people can be judged, judged about what? The wages of sin is death. So if a person has any sin, that means they're going to be sentenced to death. But every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life has been to mediation. And at mediation, the death of Jesus Christ is used as a substitute payment. The blood of Jesus, that's payment for the person's sin debt. And we're baptized for the payment of our sin debt. 
Acts 2.38 explains, explains God's plans for salvation. But let's stay with this. So they're resurrected. It says the sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. This is those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those who were in Hades, in prisons of darkness, awaiting judgment. And now here it is. And all were judged according to their deeds. Now what happens after they were judged? Each person has his or her case heard. It says, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. So after death is judged, and 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty six says, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. So how is death destroyed? Death is put to death. We hear it. And we see it right here. It's going to happen at the great white throne judgment. Death is put to death. And we're told in Revelation 22, now we're in Revelation uh, 20, in Revelation 21, we're told that death shall be no more. Well, how is that possible? It's explained in the chapter right before. Death is destroyed. The lake of fire is God's strategy for destroying his enemies. Who are the enemies of God? The Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, all of the children of Satan, and death. Those are the five enemies of God. Then it says, this is how it ends, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Whatever you do, make sure you avoid the lake of fire, the second death. It is for the eternities of eternities. You don't want to join the false prophet and the antichrist and Satan in the lake of fire. You want to join every person who has ever lived here on this present earth in your peak performance body, your body that's free of DNA errors. You want to be resurrected to eternal life. Don't participate in the resurrection for eternal damnation. Participate in the resurrection to eternal life. Call out to God according to Jeremiah 33.3. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. <music> 